Marvin. Well, tell me if you've had this experience before. You, uh, And you're like, I need to get a hold of them. And you call again, and you're like, all right, I just need to make that phone buzz, right? Maybe they just weren't near it. Maybe they were in the bathroom, whatever. Or maybe they're in the shower like James listening to worship music. That's, there were some of the best ideas come, I guess, yeah. But, uh, but you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're playing, you're down on nothing. So you do it again and again. Finally, you're like, all right, I'll leave a message. At least they'll see that, right? And you call and you leave the message. Hey, you know, just trying to reach you. You know, I was, you expected my call. You leave the message. And then you wait, nothing. And then what do you do? You start texting, right? And then you start texting, hello. And then you know you got to keep it buzzing, right? So it's hello, hello, hi, you know, and then it's question mark, hi, question mark. And then you start with the gifts and then the emojis just to kind of keep it going. Or if you're on the family network, like I'll do it sometimes, I'm like, all right, play find my iPhone sound, make that thing buzz, make that thing annoying, FaceTime. But eventually at some point you're like, you know what, forget it. They're not there, they're not listening. And you give up hope that they're going to answer. And then you just sit and wait. You stop calling. And you stop trying to reach them. You give up hope. You lose heart that they're even paying attention. And that idea of stopping calling, losing heart, losing hope, I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. Because as we enter 2021 and as we come out of 2020 and whatever this year has meant for you, I think the idea, if, I don't know if it's true for you, but it's true for me, of hanging on to hope and not losing heart is becoming harder and harder. Like I, hanging on to hope in your life seems like it slips away. You're, I know many, you know, like I got more text messages this year on January 1st, I think, that I got any other year. Like even people that normally are like, whatever, I don't care. No resolutions, no big deal. It's just a change of a calendar. Suddenly this year, like happy new year, happy 2020. Here's to a great year. And then it gets going and it's hard to maintain hope at times. And sometimes it's easy to lose heart. I want to talk about this morning, the passage we're going to be in is Luke chapter 18. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bible with you, feel free to use one in the chair racks. Luke chapter 18. And in the chair rack Bible, it's page 877 or right around there. Luke chapter 18 really talks about this topic. I'm going to look at just eight verses, just the first part. And it really talks about this topic of losing hope. How do you know when you've lost hope or lost heart, and what is your motivation for maintaining it? What is your motivation for maintaining hope and maintaining heart? How do you know when you're losing it, hope? Because that can be hard, right? You don't have like a meter, right? I don't even think the Apple Watch has that app. I mean, they can do an EKG. You can tell you when you've had a hard fall, but I have yet to see the Apple Watch app that said you're losing hope. You're losing heart. Like, like, I haven't seen that. Maybe it's there. I haven't seen it yet. But how do you know? How do you know when you're losing hope? How do you know? What's the sign when you're losing heart in things? And how do you maintain it? 
Luke chapter 18, verse 1 says this, and he, talking about Jesus, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So what Jesus is about to say, Luke is saying, what Jesus is about to say, what he's saying is to this purpose, so that they won't lose heart. He's about to explain everything that comes after this, Luke is saying, is Jesus trying to explain, here's how you don't lose heart. And he tells them this parable. And he says, so they ought always to pray. So the first principle this morning is this. You know you have lost hope in God when you stop calling. Because here's the connection this verse makes. When you have heart, when you have hope, you pray. When you haven't lost hope, you are a person who prays. You are a praying person. So by that, we would understand that if you have stopped praying, it's a sign that you are losing heart and losing hope. To lose heart is the, is the expression that Luke uses here, is to grow weary, to despair, to be hopeless. See, some people think, the, the people that aren't Christian maybe, they think, well, prayer is a sign of hopelessness. That's your last-ditch resort. That's a crutch you have. That's a sign that you are despairing when you start to pray. What, what Luke is telling us, what the Bible is telling us here, it's the exact opposite. It's not when you pray that's a sign of despair. It's actually when you stop praying that is a sign of despair. When you stop calling out to God, when you stop calling on the phone, you've given up hope. That's actually a sign of hopelessness. If you and I are not praying, we need to pay attention to it. But not because simply you're not praying, but because it's a sign that we are losing hope. See, I want to talk about prayer a little bit this morning, and I always do this at the beginning of the year. We always do this at the beginning of the year at Mount Hope, and you could come to a service like this and know that I'm going to talk about prayer, and you could think, oh, fine, pastor's going to talk about prayer. He's going to say I should pray more. I know I don't pray enough. I'm going to leave this room feeling guilty I don't pray enough, and I'm going to commit to fail to pray, we make the mistake of thinking that our biggest problem is that we have not prayed. It's not. When we stop praying, our biggest problem is that we are losing heart and that we are losing hope that our prayers are making any difference. See, not praying is a disease, not the symptom. I'm sorry, not praying is not the disease. It is a symptom. It's a dashboard light shining right in front of us saying there's a bigger problem. It's the smoke detector going off 
saying, warning, warning, pay attention. There's something wrong. When we are not praying, it is a sign that we have stopped hoping and we've given up heart that God's going to make a difference. You know you've lost hope in God when you stop calling. But here's, here's the second point. There's a reason to keep calling. And the reason to keep calling is that God is on the other end. Now, when I stop calling my friend, I can lose hope that my friend is going to answer the phone, and that's fine. But the reason you keep calling, the reason you keep hoping, the reason you have heart, the reason you keep praying is because it's not some fickle friend, you're human on the other end. It is God on the other end listening to you. And so Jesus tells them this parable so that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And here's what he says, 18.2. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the ward said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Jesus tells them this parable, and it's maybe a strange answer when we hear it. This is what he tells them so that they won't lose heart. He tells them about an unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God and doesn't respect man. And we can read this and we say that is a strange way to describe God. Because it's very obvious he's talking about people praying and going to God. And he's talking about this unrighteous judge who doesn't fear God, doesn't respect man. This guy's only motivated by bribery or power. It's only motivated, he's going to give a judgment when somebody comes to bribe him, or if somebody extorts some kind of power over him that's going to remove his power. This woman can do neither. She has not money to bribe, nor power to influence. She has nothing the judge wants. She has nothing he fears. She has no hope. And we can look at this and we say, how can God be compared? How is Jesus comparing God to this unrighteous judge? But we have to be careful and understand that Jesus is not making a comparison. He's making a contrast. And so this woman comes and he finally gives her justice like a hand swatting away a fly. Not because he cares about her. It's not because he cares about her request. It's not because he cares at all about justice, but just to get rid of her. He's not compassionate. If this guy had three ghosts visit him in the middle of the night, he's not going to keep Christmas better all the days of his life. He's going to say, bah humbug to the end of his days. But he still gives her what she wants. Even this unrighteous, unruly, unloving, God not fearing, not man respecting, God gives her what she wants. And Jesus is making a contrast. How much more your heavenly father 
who is compassionate, who is loving, who loves justice, who hates wrongdoing. How much more your heavenly Father, if you will go to him, will he hear and respond? If an unrighteous judge like this would eventually grant this widow's request, how much more your Father, who loves you, will hear and respond? What he's encouraging you to do is to continue to keep calling Continue to keep praying. Continue to keep coming to God. Don't stop calling. But why? Because God's on the other end. Not some unrighteous judge. Not someone who doesn't care. Not someone who's fickle. But God's on the other end. Keep coming because of the character of God. At the end of the school day, my kids will wait outside while I come to pick them up. That's all I'm saying about you guys. Both their eyes just went up. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. My kids will wait outside for me to come pick them up at the end of the school day. Sometimes it's raining, sometimes it's cold, but they wait outside for me to pick them up at the end of the school day. They don't see the car. They don't, they don't know what my day's been like. They don't know what's gone on before that, and yet they wait outside for the car to come and to get picked up. Why? Because they have assurance that they trust that I'll do what I said I would do in my character, that I'll come and show up and be there based on nothing more than my care for them, my responsibility to them. It's a question of character. When you go to God in prayer, when you don't lose hope, it's because you trust in the character of God. You trust in who God is. Could I be delayed in picking them up from school? Of course I could, but it doesn't mean I'm not coming. God may have his reasons for delaying, but it doesn't mean he's not coming. It doesn't mean he's not hearing. I trust in the character of God. When people of faith call, God answers. Verse 8. The end of this parable, Jesus says this. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Here's what Jesus is saying. You're praying. You're continuing to pray. It's not just a sign that you haven't lost hope. It's a sign of your faith in God. Your continued prayer is a sign that you and I trust in God. You say, when the Son of Man comes, what is Jesus doing? It seems like he's changing topics here. He's really not. If we backed up into chapter 17, you would see that Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God coming, but it's delayed. The kingdom of God was inaugurated and started when Jesus came, but it hasn't been culminated and completed, and you and I are living in this in-between time. And will he find faith on the earth? Because it's challenging to hold on to hope. It's challenging not to lose heart in the in-between time. And will God find faith on the earth? Will he find that you haven't lost heart? Here's how you know if you're losing heart when you stop praying. When something like this week shakes your world, is your response, I need to watch every single news source 
I need to look at every single feed. I need to find out what my friends are saying about it. I need to find out what so-and-so is saying about it. Or is the response, Lord, have mercy. Lord, we need you. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Lord God, change. Lord God, move. Lord God, have your way is our response to pray. Because if it's not, it may be a sign that we are losing heart and losing hope and despairing. We are to go to God in desperate prayer, but we are never to be people who completely despair. We talked last week about the Acts passage, and we said that in Acts chapter 2, that there were some incredible things happening in the church. There was some incredible growth that was happening in the church. It says, and awe came upon every soul in Acts chapter 2, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is what we want. God, continue to add to your church. But how did it happen? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. The prayers, regular times of praying every day. This is how the church grew. This is how God moved. They devoted themselves. And last week we said the word devoted means patiently persisted. So how are you doing when it comes to devoting yourself to prayer? Are you patiently persisting in prayer? I'm not asking because I want you to go home feeling guilty because you don't pray enough. I'm asking as a self-evaluation because we will look at our own hearts. If I find that I don't pray much, if you find and you look at your own heart and you say, you know, to be honest, I'm not praying much. It's not a sign that you don't know how to pray. It's not a sign that you need to try harder to pray. It's an indication of my heart that I'm starting to lose hope, that I'm starting to lose heart in the God who's able to change and move and make a difference. How are you when it comes to being devoted, patiently persistent in prayer? At Mount Hope, we say prayer is our first priority, not our last resort. Is that true? When your world is shaken, will prayer be our first priority? Not just our last resort. Will you keep calling? Keep calling God. Keep calling on him, trusting in his character. As our worship team comes back, let me share with you this final story. Thought. I was reading a book this week, and I'll recommend it to you. Um, I, in fact, I gave it to our staff and our board uh, this past uh, year at Christmas because someone gave it to me, shared it with me, and I thought this is a fantastic book. It's not a new book. It actually came out in 2003, uh, but it's by Jim Cimbala, and it's called Breakthrough Prayer. And if you haven't read that book or you don't have it, I'd encourage you. Get Jim Cimbala's book, Breakthrough Prayer. And he's pastor of uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle, if you know who Jim Cimbala is, and pastored that for years, large church in Brooklyn and uh, Grammy winning choir and all of that. And I've had the chance to talk to Pastor Simba, and what a heart for just the church and for pastors, an incredible man. But he tells a story in that book of a woman named Estelle, who at the time of the writing of the book was 88 years old. Back in 2003, she was 88. 
Estelle, if you saw her at Brooklyn Tabernacle attending two services every Sunday, the Tuesday night prayer meeting and attending the ladies' Bible study and making potholders for all the ladies, new ladies that would come to the Bible study, you would think this Estelle is this sweet lady of God who's probably always walked with God, never had much difficulty in her life. But if you knew Estelle's story, you would know that she moved to Brooklyn when she was young from Pennsylvania so she could get a job to help her family. She made 20 bucks a month. She, spent, she sent 15 of it back to her family back in Pennsylvania, lived on five. So she met Nick. Estelle and Nick got married, and Nick had a good job with a company called Westinghouse. And so Nick worked, and Estelle took care of their kids, and things were great. They went to church. Estelle taught Sunday school. Nick was the secretary treasurer of the church, and everything was going great until one night Nick went to one of Westinghouse's parties that he had gone to in the past. And he'd always said no to, to the drinks that were offered in the past, but somehow this night, for some reason, he said yes to having a drink. And for Nick, that's all it took, one drink. One drink sent him down a downward spiral to alcoholism for the next many decades. Such that things became so hard at home, he became so out of control and made things so difficult that his daughter was so stressed she broke out in shingles that his young son will go down to the basement and pour out his bottles of bourbon so his dad wouldn't drink. He lost his job at Westinghouse. Estelle had to go back to work. She found a job at a department store in Brooklyn and worked there for the next 25 years. She patiently persisted in prayer, though, for her husband. He didn't change, though. He kept drinking, kept being difficult, more than difficult at home. That's putting it lightly. One of their kids, my son, went into ministry, and, and he would have people at their church pray for his dad, Nick, but he wouldn't change. It wasn't until Nick was in his 70s that he finally gave up alcohol. That Estelle believes that, that there wasn't a moment, but, but she says God convicted him, God changed him. He finally had the courage to give it over to God. But after decades and decades and decades of calling and calling and calling, not giving up hope, patiently persisting in prayer. And Jim Simbola at the end of this says that uh, and Estelle is the most beautiful 88-year-old woman in all of Brooklyn Tabernacle. And he concludes the chapter by saying, and I should know because she's my mom. And in that moment, you realize that you can look at Pastor Jim Simbola and think, oh, he's probably had an easy life. Things have gone all well. And then you realize years and years of patient, persistent prayer, trusting, calling. Have you stopped calling? Have you stopped calling on the Lord for the things that you need? Have you stopped calling on the Lord when this world shakes and you don't know what to do? Is your first response to go to the Lord in prayer or is it your last resort after you've done everything else? Because if we stop praying, it's not a sign that we need more of a motivation to pray. It's a sign that we are beginning to lose heart, that we are beginning to lose hope. And we need to remind it of how much we need God. When you ask God to help you to have a greater prayer life, it's a dangerous prayer because you're not asking him for, Lord, help me to get up early the next morning. 
help me to wake up when I, my alarm goes off. That's not what helping me have a good prayer life is going to look like. You know what helping me to have a good prayer life is going to look like? God's going to show you how much you need him. Because when we realize how much we need him, when we realize how much we are bankrupt, we'll be driven to prayer. But let it not be our last resort. Let it be our first response. We're going to sing a song that many of you, if you've been in the church a while, you may have sung this song in years past. But it is a solid reminder. God, we need you every hour. Lord, we need you. So I invite you, you can stand, you can kneel, you can sit. But I encourage you to sing, to worship, to pray. Ask the Lord to show us how much we need him. Lord, God, we are so... It's so easy for us to sing words, I need you, and live lives that act like we don't. So Lord, teach us. Teach us, Lord. Show us, Lord, how much we need you. And Lord, if we have lost heart, if we are losing hope, then Lord, show us that truth about ourselves and remind us that our true hope and our only hope is in you. And so we should be a people of prayer to come to you. In Jesus' name, amen.